welcome to another episode of Unsubscribe, the Demand Drive podcast. I am one of the co-hosts today, AJ Alonzo, joined by my other co-host. He's always here. I can't shake the guy. Alex Ellison seems to just show up all the time, unprompted. Alex, oh, how are you today? Unprompted? There's a calendar invite you Yeah, you, you actually stepped <laughs> on up. You have the, uh, you have the studio login, so I kind of showed up unprompted, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, Get out. Regardless, regardless of who owns what, how how do you feel today? Uh, I'm good. I'm a, I'm a little thrown off. I ran out of the nice honey to put in my tea in the morning, so this is just like what was left of the store brand. And I didn't think you'd really notice the difference. You notice the difference. Devastating. So, you had to go to a farmer's market and get some like local honey. Yeah, I do. That's what I did do, and then I ran out. So I'm sorry. Well, hopefully it doesn't derail <laughs> your entire day. <laughs> Um, we, we've got a fantastic guest with us today, uh, Adriana Vidal. She's the senior SDR over at Stylo. And I got to ask, are you a uh, craft honey connoisseur or do you, do you resonate with what Alex said at all? Or are you a store oh. honey kind of person? <laughs> no, okay. I was actually going to call that um, because so in Florida, where I'm from, um, orange blossom honey is very popular. And mm-hmm. now I'm in Texas for right now. Um, and wildflower honey is like the honey that is popular here um it's disgusting and i hate it so i didn't realize that i was picky about honey until very recently um when i did put honey in my tea and i was like what the fuck is this like this is not even tight um so i'm gonna have to like source some from florida um because i cannot deal with texas honey it's it's disgusting wow so i'm in a sense i am a honey i I think in the northeast wildflower honey is also a lot more common so and i've never had orange blossom honey before so i'll have to give it a shot because apparently i've been living in a uh just the the yeah. wrong honey world my entire life <laughs> wrong honey world yeah <laughs> for sure in get your hands on some orange blossom <laughs> <laughs> i'll put it on the list orange blossom honey um well thanks for for being here i'm excited to to talk with you about all things sales development your journey um if people don't already know who you are somehow or, or haven't run across any of your content give people uh, sort of the 101 uh, you know what do you do today what did you do beforehand what has your journey been like in terms of getting into your sort of position within SAS as an SDR yeah um so I guess just like general um quick story so basically I was in retail sales for four years um then I switched to property management I was doing that for about three years and basically kind of decided that it wasn't something that I wanted to do anymore, mainly because I was on call 24-7. Um, it's I loved my residence, but it's just a really hard job, and I just I didn't wasn't really feeling it anymore. Um, so after a particularly shitty week, um, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to look for something new. Um, I actually found Patrick Dang on um, YouTube and ended up kind of finding his videos, and I was like, the SaaS thing seems interesting. Maybe it's something that I can be good at. Um, basically got on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> three weeks later, I was an SDR. Um, so that was back in January. Um, and now I'm here. So it's been a very exciting year. That's, yeah, crazy that it only took a year for you to kind of get to, to where you are now. I know a lot of folks, um, they cite that it's it's difficult to break into SaaS uh, sales as an SDR. Um, I think we're kind of in this like golden age where organizations are really starting to recognize the importance of having a good SDR function in terms of its impact on pipeline revenue and sort of your overall sustainability as a company. 
And so it's becoming a little bit more of a, you have to work for this position rather than when I started 10 years ago, it was like, you want to be an SDR? Sure. Why not? There's a million open positions. No one's really competing for it because it's hard as hell. And we don't yeah. support you in the way that they do now. And so it used to it's cool to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, but within, you know, a year, you were able to kind of rocket yourself from like, what is an SDR to now being, I think you're you're the first SDR that Stylo hired, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm curious to know, obviously, it happened very quickly for you and you, you had sort of the the retail and property management experience beforehand. What were some of the things that you were able to pull away from those previous experiences that that think that you think sort of helped you catapult you into the the SaaS world and really get you kind of started on the right foot? Um, I would say there's definitely a few things. I mean, in terms of like tactical skills, um, definitely like knowing um how to create content for social media has been really useful. Um, how to just like connect with other people who are. Um, like other professionals and just being able to like very comfortably talk to them, I think is really important, especially, you know, if you're coming from outside of SaaS, I think a lot of times people just feel very uncomfortable, like approaching CEOs and founders and like business development managers, you know, it can feel very intimidating. Um, But I think if you kind of already have some of that like real life work experience, um, it does make it a lot easier. Um, And then in terms of more like soft skills, you know, just understanding like, okay, how do I talk to someone that I've never met before and make it an an engaging conversation, um, I think is like the number one most important skill to have if you are trying to become an SDR. Um, And I think really anyone that's done really any kind of sales job or like people facing job, most people are going to have that, um, which I think is a huge advantage for sure. Yeah. And and. Excuse me. Uh, I really like sort of the the ability. It, as soon as you said soft skills, I was like, oh, retail makes total sense. Property management makes total sense, right? I think it's really cool that um, there's a lot of sort of overlap translations between jobs where even if you don't want to move up in it, or maybe you can't, right? Retail, you can only move so far. You can still take what you learn there and turn it into a sales career or become an SDR and, and sort of move up that train, right? Yeah. And I do think that, uh, I mean, something that a lot of people um, overlook is that it's like, if you are trying to become an SDR, you have skills that are super transferable, like regardless of what you're doing, um, because it's really just reaching out to people and trying to get their attention. And you do that in in a lot of jobs. Um, but I think it's more so just like being able to tell your story and explain like why your skills are important and why they're transferable. Like if you can do that, then you're in. Yeah. So you have to, you have to sell yourself essentially. That's yeah. the interview. So if you can do that, you can easily sell a, a product or a service. For sure. Yeah, I totally easily. agree. Come on, easily. Yeah, yeah. Air quotes on that. <laughs> like it does take a lot of work, but yeah, it's like the steps are very simple, but the actual like execution is the hard part, which I think is true for the job itself, you know? So for sure. Yeah, as someone who was a, an SDR for for many years, and now somebody who say, uh, basically sells to salespeople, markets to salespeople, a lot of like my day to day revolves around like highlighting the good good work that SDRs do, the tactics that yeah. they're using on a day to day basis. And when I write about it and when I talk about it, it seems so easy, right? Like, oh, you can just tier your accounts, ABCs, and then you'll be able to tie management more effectively. And then you do it, and you're like, 
actually, this is like super difficult. Like yeah. in theory, <laughs> no problem. In practice, incredibly difficult. So um, that actually leads me to ask, you mentioned you, you found Patrick Den, um, the, the AE Oracle, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, who put out his YouTube channel. It has a lot of those videos about some of the tactics and different things that you can pick up as an SDR. Um, what are some other resources that you leveraged either before you became an SDR or early on in that sort of like first few months as you're getting your feet underneath you that you would recommend to anyone who's either maybe struggling within the role today or trying to break into SaaS as an SDR? Yeah. Um, so I think like a good um, thing to do if you are trying to become an SDR is just to kind of learn like about the tech landscape as a whole. Um, to like understand like how all the different departments work together and kind of like being able to speak on that like in your interviews. Um, so I really like on YouTube also um, Colors of Chloe. Um, she is, I, I want to say she's a product manager, um, but she just has a ton of information about like tech, about applying to tech jobs. And even if they're not all sales related, um, I think she's really, really good and like informative content. Um, and then more on the sales side, I would definitely say like my favorite resource has been um, 30 Nuts to Presidents Club, mainly just because of like how actionable it is. Like I know I can listen to like 10 episodes um, and have like 40 new things, you know, to like try out or, you know, things that I want to prioritize, um, you know, things that maybe like I knew were important, but I wasn't totally sure how to like go about executing them. Um, so I really, really love that podcast too. Yeah, I, I really like that. And I like the way you, you split up and specified, like you wanted to get into SaaS. So you found videos that had essentially nothing to do with sales, right? But it explained the SaaS landscape, the different kinds of tools and technologies that are out there. Um, were there any other avenues you looked at to explore? Like you were like, sales is good, but is, I don't know, manufacturing, there's all kinds of sales, field sales. Like, did you look yeah. into any of any of that stuff? Um, so I knew I wanted a role that could be at least mostly remote um, or just like allow me to work from home, like have a very flexible schedule. Um, one, I do like to travel, but additionally, like I do have chronic health issues, which I know a lot of other people struggle with. Um, so it's like not having to force myself to be in an office all the time um, is yeah. really super awesome um, and like does make it a lot easier to like do really good work, you know, when I'm not really having to worry about like commuting and like physically being somewhere else. Um, so that was really important to me. Um, definitely. I mean, the other main thing was like career progression. Um, I do love sales. I don't know that it's always going to be like the right fit for me. I also really love marketing. Um, so, I mean, that could be in the future as well. Um, I just don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, having the ability to like, which you don't really have in a lot of other, uh, like sales roles, but it's like, I know that, you know, I could go from being like an SDR to, you know, a marketing role or something in sales or even like product or something if I wanted to do that. Um, and I just really love like having all of those options available to me without having to like change industries or, you know, do that, that whole thing again. <laughs> yeah. I would say that a lot of SDRs get, um, they're sort of tracked into an account executive position. There's like a stepping stone mentality that you are an SDR. And then after like 12 months, you have the opportunity to prove yourself to become an AE within the same organization. And that stepping stone is very limited, right? A lot of companies just want you to become an AE and they don't necessarily always give you visibility into other areas within the organization that you can make an impact. I know you made that transition from SDR to AE. A lot of people think that the grass is, you know, 
air quotes, always greener on the other side. But in reality, there are like tons of other pastures you can look at and they're just not visible for, for most reps. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your experience kind of moving into that AE role, um, what you uh, learned from it and what you might be able to tell someone who's kind of on that path, um, some advice that you can give to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was definitely a very um, eye-opening experience. Um, I do think, I don't want to generalize, you know, for like all AE roles or all people, because like obviously, you know, everyone's going to have a totally different experience based on like their personality and the company and everything. Um, there were definitely a couple of things that went into that. Um, so, I mean, one, I just kind of realized that I just really like the sales development role. Um, and even though it was technically like a step back and I was actually really nervous to like post on LinkedIn that I was going back to sales development because um, I feel like people would be like, why would you ever do that? You know, it's like, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, especially because it's like my the post that I made when I like got moved up to AE um, was like the post that had the most views and comments that like I had ever gotten on LinkedIn, you know? So I was like, oh my God, I'm just like going back on this and like disappoint everyone that's read that post. Um, but no, people were actually very supportive, um, which was really great. But I just kind of realized that like, I just have the most fun, like finding people and then bringing them to the company, you know? Um, and I don't know that that's always going to be sales development, which is kind of also what I realized about marketing is that like in all of my previous roles in sales, like I've always had the most fun um, just kind of like starting those initial conversations with people, um, handling marketing, like really just trying to get people's attention um, and then pass them off to someone else. <laughs> um, and the kind of that like process, you know, of like having to work with someone over like a few weeks or months, you know, um, and just kind of having that like repeat um, relationship just isn't really as appealing to me. Um, so mm. I decided that, you know, I would just go back to sales development and kind of figure out, you know, after a while where I wanted to go next. And I don't really know where next is. Um, but it's probably going to be either like sales development leadership at some point or like something that's more marketing related. I just feel like it's more interesting to me personally. So, yeah, I mean, us too. That's yeah. Absolutely. But <laughs> we're all biased here. So. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say AJ. I seems like similarly likes that initial conversation. I took a step even further back. And I was like, I just want to make the content, and then yeah, and you can give it to them. I don't need to see that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, I would actually really love to like hear how you guys did make that transition, like to sales and marketing, um, because I do think that they're. You know, even though sales and marketing, I think, you know, are generally friendly, um, there's still kind of like a stigma of like, oh, you know, it's like if you start in sales and then you go to marketing, like you were never even a salesperson. Um, and I find that really interesting because I, I think that like marketers can be great salespeople and salespeople can be great marketers. Like, yes, the goals of the role are different, um, but, you know, it's like generally it is just kind of that idea of like find people and get them interested. So... How did you guys do that? Yeah, I mean, I think we're both kind of in a weird sort of specific position in the sense that like for for demand drive, when I stepped into the marketing role, it filled a void of a non-existent department. Mm -hmm. um, it had been built out very sort of like base structurally before I took a lot of it over. And it was mostly just like doing content marketing because we had nothing else. 
and um, being able to get in there and really start building out a lot of systems and processes that created replicable results in terms of bringing in inbound lead, forging partnerships, doing all that stuff. Like that was just something we weren't doing. So for me, I realized going back to that soft skills idea as an SDR, there were a lot of skills that I had built up that kind of lent itself more to the marketing side of things, starting those initial relationships, building out partnerships, writing messaging, um, building out like webinar scripts and frameworks and all that stuff. Like that was what jazzed me up and it made me excited to do the job and collaborating with good marketers as well. Um, as an SDR, if I had the support of a good marketing team, it was super apparent in the results, right? Like yeah. more inbound were coming in. I was getting better support from them in terms of the content that um, we were able to deliver to our audience. Even working with them and creating these feedback loops where like I would learn something, give it to them, and it would spit something back at me, either new messaging or new content. Like that process made all of our results better. And so from my point of view, I was like, I want to do that, right? Like I want to help out salespeople enable them in a way that allows them to to have better leads and, and have better conversations. And then on the flip side, sort of like expand my reach and be able to talk to not just one or two or three people as an SDR, but hundreds to thousands of people through mass content. So that's what kind of drew me to the role. And then a lot of learning on the job. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really know what I was doing at first, but um but it's, it's cool that you can kind of just jump into it and leverage a lot of the same skills and, and things that you were doing as an SDR, but just one to many versus one to one or one to two. Yeah. 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 And then on my end, I I feel like S, SDR, sales development rep, obvi- obviously often gets lumped in with sales. But um, one of the things we noticed at Demand Drive is it was what about a 50 50 split between clients that put it under marketing versus mm-hmm. put it under sales um so to me the whole time i was like i like yeah the ae path is very obvious but the path to marketing was also probably more obvious to me than a lot of other sdrs so when i was thinking you know what do i want to do next it's not the ae i figured yeah. that out relatively quickly <laughs> then i could take the time right thanks for like what do i like about my job it's like writing email content it's like mm-hmm. if there's a graphic or something to share or create yeah. um and so then explored that a little bit more reached out to to aj who was still at the department at the time and was like hey can i write a blog for the website and then i liked doing that snowballed from there more responsibilities and then uh yeah and then now i'm here yeah that is funny that you say that because i feel like there has also been like a lot of talk on LinkedIn about like SDRs kind of like starting to move in the direction to really like be a lot more closely aligned with marketing. And I mean, like you said, I, I do think that that just makes so much more sense um, from like a, you know, skills for that job perspective. But I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. And it, it does depend on the company a little bit, right? Like if you don't have a well-fleshed-out marketing department or you're not really bringing in a ton of inbound leads and you're really relying on, like, referrals to grow your business, then maybe aligning them with marketing isn't the best idea because you need yeah. to fuel that that sales, those net new businesses. Whereas on the flip side, if you have an incredibly mature marketing organization and your team is, like, drowning in inbound leads, then you probably want to prioritize those <laughs> rather than... I know, right? Amazing problem to have. But um, you want to prioritize those with the right resources, the SDRs yeah. to actually follow up on those rather than uh, only working on net new business. It, it, you know, you have to think about it from the lens of like, where do you work? What does your company do? How is it structured? But yeah. um, 
you know, it's always been the bridge, right? Like SDRs have always been that bridge between sales and marketing. And I think now, yeah, either the bridge is widening and there are reps who the entire SDR function um, is split so that some reps only work inbound leads and they're rolling up to marketing and some only work outbound and they roll up to sales, but they are one cohesive unit and they're almost creating like their own department. We've talked about this before, um, that when you pair sales development with sales and marketing and product and you create like a revenue organization, uh, it's a lot more of a holistic look at like, how do we support our customers? How do we bring in yeah. more individuals into the business? Um, I think that's like, again, maturity level, it takes a, a, a slightly larger or I guess mature organization to do something like that. But there is definitely a shift in my mind, the market towards that mentality. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to go back quickly to some stuff about your um, experience as an EE and just kind of, I know you generalizing it in a sense, but um, do you think that a, a lot of organizations almost push reps too much to move into that AE position just because yeah. like, I know it's a lot more valuable, right? To have like an account executive on your books closing business. They technically, air quotes, provide more to the organization in terms of revenue than, than an SDR does, but uh, they might not be ready. They might not be supported properly. Um, not necessarily just your experience, but I think in general, I see that a lot. Would love to confirm that with you and see what uh, solutions might exist out there for for companies that are fast tracking SDRs into that AE position and kind of pushing them in a bit too quickly. Yeah, um, I even think this does kind of go back to what you were just talking about with like marketing and sales and everything working together, um, because I do think that a lot of companies are absolutely like rushing people into the SDR role, and I don't think that it's a matter of like how long that person is an SDR before they move into an account executive position. I think it's a matter of like enablement and training. Um, I think that a lot of times it's like, okay, you know, you've been an SDR for like nine months and we have an opening on the account executive team. So we're just going to, you know, scoot you over there and you'll be fine. Um, and I, I don't think that there really is like enough of that training like beforehand. Like, I think, you know, once you're like, if you start as an SDR, um, you know, maybe not in like the first, you know, couple of months while you're still kind of like getting into the swing of things. But I think like, once you are comfortable, like you should be sitting in on most of your calls, you should be kind of like working with other account executives on your team, not even just like the if you're paired with one of them, but like a whole variety of different salespeople, um, because you are going to want to understand like how everyone on your sales team is selling and like what kinds of things fit in like the most with your personality, like how you talk to people, um, what kinds of strategies you like to use. And you should kind of already be like building your account executive playbook like way before you even are considering going um, into an account executive position. But I think that that is kind of both ways. It's like one, yes, reps do need to take responsibility and kind of make that a priority. But two, like companies need to do that as well, because if your SDRs are just sitting in on like a bunch of, you know, semi-useless team meetings and stuff, it's like they're not going to feel like they have the time to do things. Um, you know, like working with sales enablement, like understanding what marketing is doing. Um, so I think like even at smaller companies, um, I think like really making it a point for like everyone to work together and everyone kind of understanding like how everyone else's positions work and what their value is, um, is really important. Yeah. I mean, and we talked about transferable skills earlier and 
surprisingly enough, there are a lot of skills that don't transfer from the SDR to the AE role, right? So yeah. just continuing to be a good SDR, that, like it is only going to get you so far. Whereas like you said, like get the company involved, get yourself, your manager involved in learning those AE skills while you're still an SDR can go, it can make or break your, your, your success as a, an AE. Yeah, for sure. And I do think that a lot of SDR teams just like as a whole are kind of, you know, just kind of like left in their own little, um, own little section of the company. And like, they don't really know like what the account executives are doing in all of their meetings. Like they don't know even like what the account executives, like what their specific, specific goals are, uh, what goes on in their team meetings, like what their managers are worried about. Like they just have no idea until they're just kind of like thrown into this role. Um, and it does set a lot of people up for failure because I do think that, yes, a lot of SDRs want to be AEs and they can be great ones. But it's like if you're not really developing that person before it's necessary that they like start closing deals, like that person is just is not going to do as well as they could. Yeah. If you lure people in with this idea of like you can triple your base salary and, and your OTE by moving into an AE position, but at the same time, there's like always been this fence up between you and that team. Like, I know my job is to like cross leads over the fence, but I've never actually taken either the time or been given the opportunity to see what happens with them after I do that. So when you, yeah, when you become an AE, Alex, like you said, your, your SDR skills valuable, but like you also are missing a ton of things that didn't transfer over that help you close, that help you maintain relationships. Um, it's just like, it's sales is always kind of like this idea that you have a sink or swim mentality. And it's, I think, highlighted a lot when organizations push reps from an SDR to AE role too quickly. You are actually throwing someone in the end of a pool without yeah, any absolutely. type of ability to save themselves. Yeah. No, I'm like, and that that's what happened to me. Um, and I know a lot of other people that like that same thing has happened to. And, you know, it is also even like past what the account executives are doing. But like, what 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 even happens after post-close? Like, I guarantee if you ask most SRs, yeah. they have no idea. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't really think that that's their fault. It's just like, you know, that's not part of their role at all. So it's like if no one else is making that a priority to learn or like make sure that they're involved in anything um, that looks like that, you know, they're just not going to know. Yeah, they just on the outs. Yeah. Um, uh, I, let's I want to shift the conversation back to, I guess, like being an SDR. Um, you are by all accounts. uh probably considered a top SDR. I, I would say it's very apparent from what you post on LinkedIn. I know, flattering, right? Um, very apparent based on what you post on LinkedIn, from what I've heard from other people, from what other people listening have probably heard that, that you're very good as an SDR. Uh, and I know with your sort of background as sort of non-traditional air quotes as it is in terms of retail and, and, and uh, property management, that it's not like you were expected to be a fantastic SDR because you had all of these hard skills and this idea of like what the role would be. Uh, what makes you a top SDR? Like what are you doing that maybe other reps aren't or what resources are you leveraging that they aren't uh, that might give them a leg up on on sort of like the, I guess, path that they've built for themselves in the role? Um. So I would say one, um, I am not that special. Um. <laughs> There are a lot of fantastic SDRs um, and a lot of people that I think 
could be fantastic SDRs. Um, I mean, I think it's a huge mix of stuff. Um, I also don't want to make it seem like I just like walked in here and like totally knew what I was doing and it just like magically worked out. Um, I mean, one, like I just I have tried to do a lot of my own research and like learning through other people on LinkedIn, like through podcasts, um, through YouTube, like really just kind of trying to like immerse myself in like what everyone else is doing and different strategies that work for different people um, and just kind of testing. Um, and, you know, I also don't want it to seem like, um, I don't know, like this role is, is very easy for me because it's not, um, it has taken a lot of adjustment. Like I like to joke that being an SDR is like karma for all the cold calls I hung up on, um, as a property manager. Cause I used to get like eight of them a day and I would literally always just be like, go away. Like no one likes you. Um, I was so mean. Um, and you know, it's, <laughs> this is, it's truly, it's karma. I truly believe that. Um, you know, but it like, it took a long time for me to like be comfortable calling people. Um, especially after like how much he's staying up on them. I was like, oh my God, now I'm the annoying salesperson. Um, you know, but it's even like switching roles. Like when I was at beyond, you know, like getting past that whole idea of calling property managers, um, and how annoying I was being like, you know, then switching to another company like Stylo, like now I'm calling support people. When I was calling property managers, I knew what they were doing all the time. Like I knew all of the annoying that stuff that goes on in their day versus like now, and I'm the only SDR on the team, you know, like, um, and I'm calling prospects that, you know, yeah, I've done research on, but I don't totally know and like truly understand their role. Um, and that's really difficult too. So I think that really like the most important thing is um, just being able to experiment and not really take things too personally. Like, okay, you know what I was doing this week just did not work out. Um, so here's my list of new things that I'm trying next week. And we're just going to see how it goes. You know, I think that that's really like the only mindset that you can have as an SDR because you know what, like some days are just not going to go well and you just have to be able to, you know, go to the next thing. Ain't that the truth? Um, I feel like I just what are some... ramble there. <laughs> no, no, it's great. And I think you, you bring up a good point. Um, like the, the role in and of itself is not easy. We all yeah. understand that. But how you, how you handle it when it isn't easy and, and sort of the mentality that you have going into it is super important. Uh, I'm curious what, you've worked with a lot of other SDRs, people who are looking to break into the role. Uh, what are some of the top traits that you do look for in someone? Sort of those like soft skills, those qualities that they have that that tell you like, oh, like you'll be not, you'll be good at this role, but like I can see you succeeding in this role because you're curious, authentic. Like what, what do you look for? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that the easiest thing for me to spot is like people who are one just like really interested in sales. Um, I think if you like don't really have a genuine interest in um, either sales or marketing, like this just probably isn't really the right role for you. Um, you know, and like, I mean, it's true, you know, a lot of people they find tech content online and they're like, oh my gosh, like you get to work from home. Um, you know, all you have to do is call people like it's probably not that hard and like the salary is really good. Um, you know, <laughs> I. I don't want to like discourage people from looking into tech. Um, it's just that I don't think that like the SDR job is really going to be quite right for those. Um, so I don't know. I think, you know, just having like a really genuine interest like in sales, in marketing, in like working directly with customers. Um, I think like having sales experience previously does set you up the best for this. 
Um, and that's not to say that people without sales experience can't be good SDRs because that's just not true. Um, but I think that just kind of already having that basis of like, what does sales look like? What does good sales look like? Like, what does good marketing look like? Um, and just kind of having that like base understanding does, I think, set you up to be a lot more successful a lot faster um, if you're kind of, you know, trying to explore the role. Very cool. Um, and and last thing that I wanted to ask you, I think I mentioned it a couple of times and, and you did as well, but you are all over LinkedIn. I know you started posting fairly regularly, like pretty soon after getting your um, SDR role, kind of just jumping right into it. Um, what made you decide that that was something you wanted to do? I know you, you said you leveraged a lot of what you learned on LinkedIn and through sort of like those connections to help you um, within that first sort of beginning period of being an SDR. Was it more of like a, I just want to give back thing? Was it a recognition that, that building up a personal brand would help you kind of in the long term? Talk through that a little bit. Um, so I've always loved creating content. Um, I've had a variety of platforms. Um, I had a fashion blog. It was terrible. Um, but, you know, I tried um, like way back in like 2013. Um, no, it. no, it has been wiped from the Internet. Thank God. Um, you can actually still find. Um, so I I also had like a beauty YouTube channel. Um, I think this was also like around the same time. You can find it on YouTube. It has like four videos and they were mostly recorded in our, like my bathroom at my parents' house. Um, <laughs> and you can find it. I, I don't have the email address to that account anymore, so I cannot figure out how to delete it. Um, so they just, you know, they live there. Um, you guys probably could find them if you really wanted to. Um, but Oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing, honestly. Um, but no, I've I've just always really loved like challenging myself to be creative. I've always loved writing um, and like aspects of photography, um, things like that. So I've had like a zillion Instagram accounts for all different sorts of things um, over the years. So I knew that I just wanted to kind of challenge myself to make content um, like about this new thing that I was pursuing. Um, but that did kind of morph like over time as to, you know, okay, like I actually do have, um, things that are valuable to other people. Like, and I know things that, you know, other people who are maybe just starting to look into tech, like don't know. Um, and when I had first gotten on LinkedIn, I was a little bit scared to post, um, because it's like all of the people that I was seeing on there, they were like VPs of sales and founders of these startups who have like been in tech for 15 years, um, you know, and like, what do I know? <laughs> no one's going to want to read my posts. Um, but, you know, I, I think just sharing like where you're at, not trying to, you know, pretend like you know more than you do, um, you know, just kind of sharing like what you're learning and what things are looking and what things aren't um, is really valuable to people, you know, and they appreciate just like knowing what's on your mind. So it's been super fun. I absolutely love LinkedIn. I'm on it like 24 seven. That's honestly a problem. <laughs> that, that sounds dangerous. That's a lot of screen time. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Oh my God. You guys don't even want to see my like screen time. It's like, so hey, bad. It's like, it's like 18 hours. All <laughs> oh, you were how about a screen on for 25 hours today? Yeah. Impossible. <laughs> yes, I'm literally breaking records. Funny. It's bad. Um, yeah, the way that the way that you you talk about um being on LinkedIn LinkedIn and sort of being that like I'm just a few steps ahead of somebody else who's a few steps behind me. They can learn something from me. I think it was I, I first heard the quote, more than likely in the movie Catch Me If You Can, but secondarily through Justin Welsh, 
um, he posted something forever ago about um, Frank Abagnale, the, the actual guy who was in the movie Catch Me If You Can, the, the real story about how he got caught. He was like teaching this sociology class at BYU. He knows nothing about sociology. And, and they asked him, like, how did you do this? How did you pull it off? And his answer was that he just stayed a chapter ahead of all of the students. Um, so it just goes to show that like you can literally be a step ahead of somebody else on your journey and somebody who's a step behind can learn from you. And I think that's like a, a, the best mentality to have if you do want to create content because it's easy for imposter syndrome to sit in. You said, I, who would want to read something that I post? I'm just an SDR. You know, that's a VP of sales. That's a founder. Like they have so much more to share, but somebody who wants to be an SDR can learn a ton from you. If you're yeah. six months on the jobs, for one who's three months yeah. on the job can learn a ton from you. Yeah. I think that's, that's just a- the right mentality. Yeah, I think also, you know, it has been kind of interesting because I think that especially over the past year, like a lot more SDRs have started making content. And there was a post a while ago that people were like, you know, if you haven't been in sales for very long, like, I don't know why you're even posting um, like strategies, like, you know, you guys don't even know what's working. Um, And I just, (laughs) I wouldn't really like to say that that person is stupid and wrong. Um, But, you know, it's like, no, I, I just don't want anyone to feel like, you know, that's true. Um, honestly, like, you know, yeah. even if you're new, you can still make content. And especially for people who had careers before they were an SDR, like, I think that they still have so much value in terms of like, um, you know, just like understanding what works with customers and understanding like the foundations of sales and those kinds of relationships. Like, I think even making that content, like maybe not directed specifically at SDR strategies, um, but more so just like sales and customer relations in general, um, you know, that can be really valuable too. So I think everyone should be posting if that's what they want to do. Yeah. yeah. Don't gatekeep LinkedIn. Don't be like that. <laughs> For, plus, like, in my opinion, I would want to learn SDR strategies from an actual SDR rather than someone who maybe was a good SDR and hasn't done the job in um, like a handful of years, aka myself. Like, I would, I, look, I think I post some valuable stuff, but I'm literally pulling it directly from like the team we have here. Like I know it works because I see people do it every day. It works. If I'm 10 years removed from the role and I just think it's going to work, take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. That's what I would say. But I'd rather learn from someone who's doing it every day. Yeah, Absolutely. And also, you know, I think it's just a lot more approachable. Like, I don't know. I always feel like a lot more comfortable, like taking advice and like interacting with people who are kind of in a similar role. Um, And I think that, you know, that same thing is true, like, especially if you're brand new to the industry, it's like, you're way more likely to like message a fellow SDR and be like, hey, like, what did you send in that email? Um, Versus, you know, it's like reaching out to someone that's a VP or like a founder, you know, someone like that, like, it may not be the same, plus they're probably not going to respond to you anyway. (laughs) You get enough rejection on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I wanted to wrap the conversation up just by asking you, I know we covered a lot today. Um, If there was one thing that you wanted the audience to take away from from what we talked about, what would it be? Um, You know what? It's kind of cheesy, but like, just believe in yourself, guys, honestly. Um, I guess, you know, honestly, going back to that question of like, you know, what do you think like sets you apart from people? um, I think if anything, like, I just really believe I can do what the fuck ever um, I decide. Um, and I think that that's kind of like a unique superpower. And I just want to like 
give that to everyone. <laughs> like, if you think you can be a good SDR, like, just go for it. Start messaging people on LinkedIn. Like, talk to managers. Reach out to me. Reach out to literally anyone that makes content about being an SDR. Like, ask your questions. Um, get in front of people. And if you are an SDR right now and you feel like, you know, you could be doing better or you could be doing more or, you know, you could be more successful at a different kind of company that you're more passionate about, like, just go for it. Just pick something and do it and it'll be fine in the end, honestly. Love it. Very inspirational stuff. Um, <laughs> you, you opened up yourself for um, people to reach out to you. If people do want to get in touch with you, learn more about either you, Stylo, what you're doing, continue this conversation, um, how can they do that? How can they actually get in touch with you? Yeah, um, so LinkedIn DMs are generally like the easiest way. Um, if you are looking for your first SDR job, I also do run like a free um, job search support group on Slack. Um, the link is not posted publicly because I didn't want, you know, weirdo and like spammer people to join. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to just message me on LinkedIn, happy to answer your questions or, you know, let you into the group, um, really, you know, whatever you feel like is going to be the most useful. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for, for being here. Really appreciate the insight, personal stories, examples that you were able to provide. Um, remember listener to subscribe, to unsubscribe, get more insight and tips like this in your inbox and, and we'll catch you next time. But thanks so much, Adriana. Really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for watching this episode of Unsubscribe, the Demand Drive podcast. If you want less of those nasty unsubscribe emails in your inbox, go ahead and check out some of the content we have to the left. And make sure that you subscribe to Unsubscribe to keep your STR team in tip-top shape.